Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guests by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. This is Marnie Swedberg and I'm excited to have you with us this afternoon along with our special guest, Jeff Fink. Today we're going to be talking about the eight strategies you can use to increase book sales this year in 2018. Our guest today, Steph Fink, is going to help us discover how to creatively leverage social media to spread your message, how to craft messages that leave a mark, how to host out-of-the-box kind of book signings, how to use hashtags and why the right hashtag will help your book, why having a book review team is critical, the goals and key for book launch success, the positives and negatives of selling your book from your website and other places and spaces where your book needs to be. Our guest today is Steph Fink. She is the author of four books, an inspirational speaker, military veteran, wife, mom, and abolitionist. Steph reaches thousands weekly through her speaking, and her website is encouragedinheart.org. Welcome to you, Steph. It's so great to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Marnie. You are such a, a blessing, such a blessing to me personally. Oh, thank you so much for that. Uh, I love this. I love this topic. You're going to help us sell more books, which is great. And anybody who's listening, who if you haven't uh, already written a book, uh, one of the biggest surprises uh, for authors, first-time authors, is that you have to do all the publicity yourself. Um, you either have to hire that out or do it yourself, because even if your publisher does get involved with it there's still a ton of work to do. I, I don't know if stuff was that little surprising. I remember it was very surprising to me. I thought, you know, book done, published with a major publisher, okay, I am all set, and, um, and now, now I just wait for the money to roll in. <laughs> it was completely shocking to me. In fact, um, I think that's part of the lessons learned for me is I thought, woo, we're done, and actually we're just only halfway through the ball game here. <laughs> Right, right, yeah. So I think that you know those of you who already are published and have realized this, you're here today because it's like, oh my gosh, what you know, what are some things that I can really do that will help in 2018? And for those of you who aren't quite to this point yet, uh, you will be. So <laughs> join us and be sure to take some good notes today because we got oh such great content. I'm excited to dive into it myself. So first of all, uh, Steph, you have you have done some writing, and maybe just tell us a little bit about the style of writing that you do, and then um, you are a self-published author, so just maybe very briefly in about two or three minutes, just give us a recap of your writing experience. I sure would. Well, um, I was, I'm not like a traditional writer. Most writers I meet and most author friends feel like they've known they needed to do it all their life and this is what they were birthed to do. And, you know, I didn't pay attention in English class and this was a true surprise for me. And so hmm. um, I just want to encourage any people listening, like, I have a story, but I'm not good at English or I don't know about this. Just mm-hmm. go yeah. for it. Be a good steward of the message that God put in your heart and go for it. So my, my first book was just an ebook. I self-published. It was kind of like me putting my toes into the water mm-hmm. and seeing, yeah. like, are you serious, God? Is this really what you want me to do? So, you know, if you're not sure what you want to do, check out an ebook. It's a low-cost way to get your name out there and get your message out there. Um, and then the next three books were paper books. I went with a, a publishing, a, a self-publishing publishing firm, and the last two I've done purely through my um, company encouraged in heart. So um, I've had a lot of different steps along the way. And, um, you know, I started with a blog and then eventually went into speaking and then an ebook and now three 
paper books with that. And so, well, my fourth one will be launched. It's already done, but launched officially this Mother's Day. So I just really want to encourage the ones listening and thinking that in-between space, because I'm sure, Marnie, you at your speaking venues get this question all the time. How do I write a book? And you just want to zip, unzip and put some information in them and zip them back up and tell them to go do it. <laughs> I don't know if that's been part of your experience speaking and writing. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. Not. I have written a book. Um, it's an Amazon bestseller, and it's called Ebooks. I did it in Amazon in 14 days, and it's not because I'm recommending that you write a book in 14 days. It's not that, but it's just that if you have a manuscript completely ready and edited and everything, you can actually get it on get it on Amazon within 14 days. But an e version is such a great way to go, and, and even today in publishing, it's so different because you can actually revise your even paperback version uh, along yeah. the way. It's not like it used to be where if you had a revision, I mean, it's a year from now that that hits the bookstores. Uh, now it's, you know, a revision and tomorrow it's in the, in the print books. So it's, it's incredibly different than it was. And I love what you said too for the listener who is like, I have, I have stories. I have things in my heart to write and share, but I'm just not good at English. There are people you can hire who can polish it up for you that is just not Amen. a big deal. And no matter, how, no matter how good you are in English, you're going to have to hire editors anyway or, mm-hmm. or get, a, get a publishing house who has hired editors for you because it, there's a lot of editing to be done uh, before the book hits the market if you're going to have a good book. So just, yeah, be bold, be brave. Okay, so now having started with that background, let's go ahead and talk about some strategies to increase book sales in 2018. And the first thing you wanted to talk to us about was how to creatively leverage social media to spread your message. And I'm really interested in this one because um, social media is fantastic. I love it for so many reasons, but it also is a great way to get the word out about a book. I could not agree more. And, you know, I double-checked some statistics before doing this interview because Facebook is the dominating force. And I just really encourage anyone who's an author who has a message that they want to propagate. Listen, God gives us this message to steward, and part of our job is to steward it well, to serve our client well. That's why we write words, is to serve hearts. And I'm a nonfiction writer, and I want to serve encouraging, nourishing words to encourage hearts. And so here's the stats, Marnie, and it may sound a little surprising to you. Um, two, over 2 billion people are on Facebook. That is more than combined on Twitter and Instagram. Now, Instagram is growing pretty significantly. So I just really believe if you're an author and you're not on Facebook, you are missing the boat. And you can start a page. I I definitely recommend a Facebook page, not just your personal account, because you can grow bigger on your Facebook business page. But Facebook reigns in the popularity over other social media channels. And then second, depending on your reader base, and you have to know your people, right? Whoever you write your words for, you got to know your people. I write for the demographic of basically 25 to 55 women, age range women. So you got to know the people. So here's the deal. Facebook users, 76% of women are on Facebook. 66% of men are on Facebook. So that is just a dynamic thing. And you know, Marnie, I didn't know this because I, I don't know, are you a morning person or a night person? Um, yes. <laughs> I don't do well either. I, um, I, I like to sleep late and go to bed early. <laughs> My husband and I, actually, when we got married, we had that question. Yeah, when we, we got married, we had that question asked to us, you know, you're probably the opposite. And we're like, yeah, no, I don't think so. I think we're both the same. <laughs> Yeah, I'm cooking early in the morning with like a cup of coffee and I'm cooking by 9.30 at night. I have teenagers and I'm really pushing myself to like be present. But I was so surprised to find out that um, there's two times that are really high engagement on Facebook. The highest traffic occurs midweek between 1 and 3 p.m. So here's the deal. I am normally starting to go into, you know, email mode in my work time and following up with you know, private emails, because as an author, that's part of our job, too, is to communicate with our reader base. But Mm -hmm. a Facebook post at 7 p.m. will get more clicks than posting at 8 p.m. That's from an article in Forbes, which I thought was crazy, because I'm in the middle of mom mode, not author mode at that time. And so here's the thing. If we schedule posts on Facebook, 
with nourishing messages, we could schedule it and we could still be doing, you know, we're blessed to juggle a lot of different roles in our life. A lot of us mm-hmm. are spouses and moms and volunteers and friends. And so I was really shocked to hear that. And then Thursday and Friday, the engagement is 18% higher. So all I just really want to say is to fellow authors out there or potential authors out there is get on social media to serve your clients and spread your message. And you know what? It can be overwhelming. I know, Marnie, I've already crossed, you know, pollinated is what I call it on social media that we're going to be doing this radio interview. Why? Because my readers like to know what's going on in my life. They want to sometimes know what I'm having for dinner. And then they also want to know what I'm doing in my life. And so I just want to encourage people, you know, don't, you don't have to be on every platform and social media, find maybe two and just really make a splash there. I'm also on LinkedIn and I do okay there. I'm on Twitter. I don't really do great there, but Instagram and Facebook is where most of my reader and people are. And I just really put more effort in those two. Um, I don't know about you, Marty, where do you feel like you feel your reader base, you make the biggest splash? Yeah, I do well on Facebook as my favorite. Uh, personally, I also do well on LinkedIn. And because of the radio show and the womenspeakers.com that I work with, uh, LinkedIn is a place where I hang out a lot. Um, so mm-hmm. those two are probably my bigger two. Uh, again, all of my books are how-to books. So once again, you know, that, yes. that demographic. And it's really important that you know that. And I want us to talk a little bit, too, about uh, not only knowing your demographic, but knowing what types of posts to share because this took me a long time to figure out. Now, what you just said was really important. You said that before the show, you were putting out the word that you were going to be interviewed here today. And that's the key, you guys, pre. You have to do it before the fact. So when you have a close friend and she gets pregnant, you don't want her to tell you after nine months and she's had the baby. <laughs> you want to be the first that's to a great, know, right? Yeah. <laughs> So if they're really your, yeah, if they're really your friend, they're thinking they should know about these things before they happen. So a lot of times, like um, speaking engagements or uh, maybe a book signing trip or something like that, if you wait and just share the pictures while you're on the trip or when you get back, way less exciting to your friends than if they're in on it. So for example, what I'm, I, I'm actually working on a one sheet today for a, for a speaking engagement that I'm being considered for. And when that's done, I'm actually going to share that socially. I'm going to say, mm, put together it. this, you know, this, uh, these talk points. Well, okay, that, that works in a, a hundred different ways to benefit. First of all, it lets me uh, share the information that I put together with more than just one person. It also lets my friends know that I'm being considered for this. They can pray about that. They can get excited with me, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then also it has the content out there for an event planner who may have it upon that and see, oh, my goodness, these are the exact, this is what our theme is for the year. Um, we might want to do that too. So, you know, you've got all this, like you said, cross-pollination. You've got all this opportunity going on with social media when you do things before they happen. Beautiful. I love everything you said, everything. (laughs) And, you know, I really do agree with you. Like we have to understand how the social media stuff works. So, for example, and I even have this in my notes, is like on LinkedIn, you don't use hashtags. It's culture there. Right. But (laughs) I I see people do that, and I'm like, what are you? You know, sometimes I do it on Facebook, and it doesn't really have a purpose-driven link to. It's just because I think I'm sometimes funny. And I'll be like, hashtag Jesus take the wheel when my teenager's driving or, you know, something that I, I yeah. think is funny um, because I think there should be a rhythm of personal life without oversharing. And only God can really be that. The Holy, mm-hmm. We need to ask the Holy Spirit for help for that kind of guide. Um, and then, for example, like on Facebook, you can use hashtags, but people that put 3,000 hashtags on something, I just get overwhelmed. I don't even want to look at it. And then on Instagram, a hashtag is really a, a great purpose-driven thing to do, a well-researched hashtag, which we're going to be talking about later on. But, um, yeah, it's kind of knowing the rhythm. Like Twitter, Marty, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but when I started doing Twitter, I'm ready to write like a 1,500-word blog post, and Twitter does not allow that. There's a word count. So you really have to be smart. And I don't know if you remember when Twitter would reply back, you have to be more clever than that. 
like the actual auto feed was telling me you have to be more clever. I was like, I'm trying Twitter. I'm trying. I was new to Twitter. So, um, yeah, I really love it. And it makes sense that LinkedIn would be more of, because you're a professional trainer. You've blessed me, Marnie, in your trainings. So it makes sense that LinkedIn would be a big splash for you. And I have a heart to kind of reach some of the younger demographic women, which makes sense why I would be on Instagram because a lot of the younger up and coming are there. Now I'm not going on Snapchat because I'm not, (laughs) but I know I'm reaching some of the younger demographic being on Instagram. And you talk to a lot of the teenagers since that's part of my, my home. They think old people are on Facebook. That's what some of the young Mm -hmm. kids, no way. Oh yeah. But I know my main reader base, I'm going to find them on Facebook. So I'm going to stay right put there. And, um, yeah, I think it's so important to understand the rhythms of different social medias and how to make a splash. And you know what? If you're not finding your rhythm, stop wasting your time. I heard John Maxwell say, and just a, a long message, but it was so good. But he's like, stop trying to be good at something you're not good at and, and try to more like perfect what you already are good at. So if you're already making a splash on LinkedIn, keep looking for ways to keep making a better splash and serve more clients. Right. Um, Facebook, same thing. Take some risks. You know, maybe a different social media campaign. Um, take some risks and to to try to reach more hearts, and not just for finance reasons. That's not uh, most authors I know don't go in it to get rich because most most authors I know right. our our royalties are not exactly where our main bucket is. It's speaking is where mm-hmm. we that keeps us a lot. You know, normally, um, yep. unless you're a New York Times bestselling author, which that is not my story. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I just really believe that if you really want to serve your customer, the hearts that God has sent us to serve, any area of influence is a tremendous responsibility and blessing privilege. And, mm-hmm. you know, just learning how to serve those people in a better way, in a more impactful yeah, way. And I believe social media is one of the biggest and most powerful ways that we could do that today. Awesome. Well, this is Marnie visiting today with Steph Fink of EncouragedInHeart.org. We're going to come right back, talk about how to craft the messages that leave a mark and how to break or host out-of-the-box kind of book signings. We'll be right back. Women's ministry leaders across America rely on womensevents.info to find the major Christian women's events coming to their area. Women'sEvents.info is the only online directory of its kind featuring all the upcoming major Christian women's events. You are invited to search for events coming near you or to add your own major Christian women's events. Everything's easy and accessible over at Women'sEvents.info. That's www.Women'sEvents.info. Welcome back. This is Marty, and you're joining us this afternoon for Eight Strategies to Increase Book Sales in 2018. Our guest, Steph Fink, is here with us from EncouragedInHeart.org. Steph, let's talk about crafting messages that leave a mark. And I think before we dive into this one, I just have to tell you guys, listeners, and Steph, too, how long it took for me to understand what it meant to share, to post shareable um, post <laughs> just put out there things that people wanted to share I just couldn't get my head around it for a long time and then finally I comprehended what that meant and it's just boiled down to something so simple now but it's basically if my brother-in-law's cousin came across my picture or my link there and felt like oh my goodness this is so cute or this is so fun this is so me that I just want to share it on my page. That's what we mean by shareable. So I think mm. if you can kind of step back a little bit from self-serving and from like all that kind of mindset and say, yeah, but what is it that someone else would want to share? And that's kind of where you're going to get those likes and shares to really ramp up is when you start thinking about the person who's viewing it and are they interested enough to share it? So that's my two cents. Okay, so give us some other helps for crafting messages that can leave a mark. Yeah, I love what you said. I think it bleeds in perfectly of craft, crafting messages that leave a mark. It's not just in our books. It's also in social media. And really, basically, a good question is, what is missing from the market? Another great question is, what can I write to serve, support, teach, encourage the world and your reader? Um, 
Does your title have a sticky factor, meaning is it memorable? 500 words, you know, like these long sentences. I, you know, my first ebook, I thought it was so brilliant. Lessons I learned when my head was stuck in the 28 lessons I learned when my head was stuck in the fridge. And it's about my journey about compulsive eating and all that. It's too long. It's too long. And, you know, if people actually caught it, I'd get a giggle at it. But it's just too long. You know, my next book, Building Bridges, it, it had the sticky factor. But, um, you know, as I continued to kind of research, and that was when hashtags were starting to come alive, you know, I was researching different hashtags to go along with it, and I used, I thought it was brilliant, Marnie. I used hashtag Building Bridges. And if you go to that hashtag, there's not a lot of godly stuff. There. There's some, I just didn't do good, so I just really want to warn as you're crafting a message, you know, there's a lot of little moving parts that go along with it. It takes just a quick second, just a quick second. Go to Facebook and do hashtag whatever you think you want, whatever you're looking as you're getting ready to prepare your book launch. Go on to Instagram, put the hashtag in, see what's, what's already um, inhabited by that hashtag. If it's nothing, then that might be a good one. And then you go to your book review team and say, hey, guys, what do you think? Here's three hashtags that are not populated. What do you think is sticky? What do you think works? And for my last two books, I've already populated ones that are uniquely to my book only. And I feel like that is a better way because sometimes as you're doing free giveaways and, you know, some of your readers are going to use your hashtag, it can just populate just for your book. And you know you're starting to get into a rhythm of you're making a mark because people know what your book is and what the heartbeat of your message is truly about. So, I don't know about you, Marnie, but I just feel like when I craft messages, I want to make sure that I have my end reader in mind, and I'm not just reading, writing to rant, or I, I want to know what I'm doing. I, am, I, am I encouraging? Am I teaching? Am I instructing? If I was a fiction writer, which I'm not, am I trying to write a clever, creative story? The reason. Is it just to get your name populated? Then that stinks, and it's no, it's no service to your people. If, if we have a purpose, then we stay true to our passion. And my passion is to encourage hearts, so that's why I write. But maybe just ask God, like, why? You know, not just what message could I write to leave a mark, but why am I writing this message? And uh, I really believe God illuminates and refines the message from that. So um, Absolutely. And I, yeah, I, I, think back to, I think back to a question I was asked on one of the first radio interviews I did after my first book came out. And the, um, the person that was doing the interview said to me, so what is it going to, you know, this is a big accomplishment to have your first book published by St. Martin's Press in New York. And what is it going to take mm-hmm. for this book to be a success to you? And it was a surprise question. And I, I remember my answer and I stick with this answer. I just, I just love it. I just said, it's already a success because before the information was just stuck in my head and nobody could get at it. And now the information is in paperback form where anyone who wants to access this information can. For under $20, they can just go and get all of this information. So to me, even if it only helps one person, it was worth it and it is a success. And I think that that's what we should be looking at from our social media posts as well. You may not have, this post that you put out today may not have 370 likes or shares or whatever, but it may be the exact thing that somebody needed right now. And that's really what makes the difference is, is it self-serving or is it something that someone else can benefit from? And I love how you're describing this here. Do you have thoughts on that? Oh, Marty, that is just so beautiful because I'll tell you, and I don't know any author that has not, if they're honest, has struggled just with this. I remember when I had launched the first ebook and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not successful because I didn't sell. I had a number in mind. And since that day, I have really kind of corrected myself. It's actually the Holy Spirit corrected me. Is, you know what? You're absolutely right, Arnie. I could not agree with you more. You know why we're successful? And it has nothing to do with being on any list. It's because we have the, we have the uh, willingness to be obedient to God. Numbers don't okay. dictate okay. success. Obedience to God and God's calling and direction on your life, that is what a successful person is. Your bank account doesn't tell you if you're successful. We could be tempted to think that way. We could be tempted how many book sales or how many people we're speaking to. Of course, we want to have metrics and understand, are we reaching more people? Are we still progressing? But if we make that our Lord as opposed to our Lord, our Lord, 
we have just created a false idol and we really need to step aside and actually I feel like go on the sidelines for a little bit to get refocused on what's the thing that's most important because honestly, if you have an influence of five people, you are blessed to influence five people. If you have a a capacity to bless 5,000 people, you are blessed, not more blessed, you are blessed to have the opportunity to influence. And I, that's why I really believe as writers and speakers, we have such a um, privilege and also equally a burden to remember we're here to serve God. And, you know, before I speak, Moni, I don't know, do you have any, like, special things? I, I, right before I speak, I, I always say this to myself to refocus myself. Lord, let your words be my words and my words be your words. Because it's mm-hmm. so easy to go off trail because if you've spoken for any period of time, you know what it takes to get a laugh, a clap, and sometimes you could almost do the same thing on social media. And, you know, I see a lot of the younger generation, and I don't want to sound like an old, middle-aged, cranky old lady, but you can do something to get a quick applause. But we are not in it. To, I'm not in it anymore, Marty. I was in the beginning, I won't lie, to get a quick applause, a quick pet of my flesh. I'm in it because I want to serve God, because God has done so much for me. It is a privilege to be able to use a platform, any platform he gives me, because my life is actually the platform. It's not my words, it's my life, and hopefully my words follow very um, parallelly, not perfectly because it's not about being perfect. So I I just, I love everything you just said, Marnie, and I wish I had heard that when I was launching my first book because I was really, really down and out thinking I didn't sell this many. I thought I'd be this. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd be that. And, um, you know, my first book signing I ever did was ridiculously successful in now as I understand, but I didn't know that like an average book signing would be four books. If you go, did you know that? I looked that up and I was like, <laughs> what? What? Wow. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. And I just went to a nothing bookstore one day where, you know, I traveled with my husband and I sold two books, Mari. I left feeling so deflated. Like I was a loser And again, exactly what you said is, I just got my book. I have had the divine privilege to communicate eyeball to eyeball, which you know how precious that is, Marnie. It's Mm -hmm. the most intimate kind of communication. Besides them reading your book, you know, your words. I I had the opportunity to reach two hearts. And this is all I get to say now is just thank you, Lord. Not not good enough, Lord. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. The end. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, and this is Marty Sudberg. We're going to take a short break and come back with Steph and can talk about how to host out of the box kind of book signings as well as how to use hashtags and why the right hashtag will help your book. We will be right back. Don't go away. Do you ever need a guest speaker? Or maybe you're a speaker who's available to go. Check out womenspeakers.com the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world since 2002. Connecting thousands of planners with over 1,300 speakers, speakers are available to you from every state, denomination, experience level, and fee range. You simply search when you have time, anytime, day or night, and connect directly with the speakers that interest you. No middlemen, no hidden fees. It's all simple, easy, enjoyable, and online. Check it out today at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. And welcome back. This is Marnie Sudders. You're joining us for Eight Strategies to Increase Book Sales in 2018 with our guest, Steph Fink. Stephanie, let's talk about how to host out-of-the-box kind of book signing. So we were talking before the break about book signing. Yeah, they can be, um, they can be quite shocking uh, in, in how small they are or else they can be they can be misleading I, I remember recently we had a book signing at our store at our bookstore for a new author and she was just delighted with how many people came out it was really a great launch for her book it was local and she said I'm just going to book a bunch of these around the state and I said well I just want you before you do that I just want you to count in your head how many people came to this book signing that didn't know you personally before the signing and she couldn't <laughs> think of anybody and I said okay now with that perspective, now consider whether you want to take this on the road. <laughs> so talk to us. You about are some so wise, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some creative ways? <laughs> I mean, that was exact. You just read it completely because that first book signing where I sold a 
still, it's my biggest one for all my, it was exactly all my friends saying, yeah, you did it. I mean, it was just, yes, exactly what you said. So my biggest encouragement um, is to host an out of the box kind of book signing is think out of the box and also think out of the bookstore. You know, my area, I live right outside Washington, D.C. in Northern Virginia. And my last book, book launch was I had so much fun. Finally, I had so much fun because I get so nervous sometimes, you know. Um, and I decided, you know what, my, my book, the, the heartbeat of the message was The Blessed Juggle um, from 30 Days from Cray to OK, meaning stop being crazy, stop saying I'm so busy, and, you know, get into the blessed rhythm of life with God. So my reader base is women. And here's the thing. I have to think about. I want to think about, I have to, I choose to, where do women go? Where do women go in Northern Virginia? And so I did do some bookstores, but the thing I've found with some bookstores too, Marnie, is, you know, some of the, um, there's a lot of rules. Um, and I've had some very successful in bookstore um, mm-hmm. signings. But the one that I feel like, Blash, is think about where women go. So I am thinking about in Northern Virginia, where the people go, because I don't want to just reach Christian women, Marnie. I, I want to reach women, all women. And so women in Northern Virginia, I live in a huge wine region. I know we're Northern California, you know, California, that's the wine region. Guess where I did a book signing? I did a book signing at a local wine store in town, and it was tremendous. I got to hit a different demographic of people, and it, it was a, a beautiful store owner. I'm going to go back there again. Um, you know, how do I talk about a message of building bridges and don't go where people are? A lot of people aren't going to come into a church building or a Christian bookstore. And if our heart is to reach different people, then we have to go to different places. I went to a cupcake shop. Um, a, um, my, my, my orthodontist, who's Jewish, bought a bunch of books and put them in his waiting room. I, you know, it's just so amazing to me with different areas where you can go. Um, coffee shops, everyone in Northern Virginia drinks a lot of coffee. And some of these smaller coffee shops are such beautiful places to have intimate book signings. People are coming in, and people you already know will come into that. And then also some people that um, you don't know who aren't your reader base are going to come in too. And, you know, you just Mm -hmm. study different time flows. And I'm just so excited this um, coming book launch. I have a couple local book signings, and I'm not doing a lot for the exact reason you shared with that woman. Um, yeah, I've decided I'm going to do five, no more than five local book signings and going into different counties. And one of the places, one of my readers is owns the largest children's consignment store. Now, you may think that's so weird, but she is a, um, a partner with Encouraging Heart. And we're going to use it to leverage to get people into her business as well as to do a book signing. And we have already done the Facebook event and, you know, a lot of people have already shown motion and that's not till the spring, but I know this book that I'm writing on, it's about confident parenting. I want to go wherever parents go. Where do parents go? They go to consignment shops. They go to coffee shops. They go to coffee cupcake shops. They go to wineries here. So these are the places I want to bring my message, not just the bookstores. So, Marnie, I'm just interested. Where have you found some of the places for for some of your best book signings? Yeah, so I think, obviously, um, at speaking engagements is uh, just a definite shoe-in because you can't possibly, in a 45-minute or even a whole weekend retreat uh, or conference, you can't possibly tell them everything that your books can share about the content that you're sharing. So you share the most you can with them live there, but a lot of times at events like that, ladies want to take you home with them. So to have your books and your resources at the back uh, for them to be able to take home is just the automatic, obvious response. And in fact, it is really a plus for the audience to have that opportunity to take more of you home. If they, if they really loved what they heard, and hopefully they did, they want to take you home. So definitely do that. Another thing that has worked for me is working with libraries, ECFEs, um, uh, different um, chamber of commerce, things like that has, have been great for me, as well as um, they, a 
couple that I've done in the past, like at Mall of America, in um, in a Minnesota books in a Minnesota like a gift store because I'm a Minnesota mm-hmm. author that could work for mm-hmm. me. So you can do mm. some things, and, and that's more like of a local spin on it too. If you have anything in your book, like do you mention? Um, you know, a, a, a landmark, a United States landmark or something like that, well, they would probably be interested in having you do a book signing at their uh, location if you mentioned them in a good light in your book. So that's one of the things that I, that my publicist um, actually had me, had me work on when I was writing my first book. She's like, you've got to include some things in here so we can market this better. And I had never thought of that, but it's easy to do while you're writing um, to just, to just think ahead a little bit to who might be able to help you get the word out and who you could help by your book coming out there well as well. We're going to move on right now and talk about hashtags a little bit. And uh, we, we touched on it earlier, but I wanted to go back because hashtags, for someone who's never used them, they might seem like um, kind of a, a trendy thing that, you know, I don't really need to understand. But you really feel like hashtags are important. Tell us why. I really do, Marnie, and it's not like the biggest point, but it's one of those big finessing points that will get your message wider. And, you know, I'll tell you honestly, if I post something on Instagram with a unique hashtag, I will get different and unique likes on my posts, which I feel like are different hearts that we could potentially serve with our book products. So I feel like... If you want to use social media, like we talked about leveraging social media, how it's absolutely critical to leverage social media. If you put on whatever graphic you make or you have your graphic design um, people do, put your hashtag on a bunch of them. Because then if they like the one message that you do, they can also hit the hashtag and then they'll see different little quotes from your book that will encourage, inspire, inform, whatever your, educate, whatever your purpose is. And then they'll start seeing more of your message, and then they'll make the decision if they want to buy your book, most likely off of that. And I'll tell you, I've gotten a lot of unique um, new readers from using hashtags. And I really feel like to have fun with it a little bit too, because, you know, who wants to feel like, I, I don't know, I just feel like sometimes we can get so zealous in our you know, excitement to sell our book that we're just hashtagging the heck out of our reader base. and It's like enough already. So, you know, ha- again, having that same rhythm of personal life, professional life, having that beautiful mix in there and not just shoving your message down their throat, but having a well-placed hashtag and just a little bit of research will get you a good little hashtag and make sure it's something that you could communicate that's not too long. Like I, I told you my first book title was so long. A hashtag should be something concise, unique to your message, mm-hmm. and something that people can remember and be sticky and they can come back and just hashtag it quick. Um, and maybe if, you know, you can encourage your readers, um, you know, when they get their book in the mail, they use, they hold it up and smile with your book and they use your hashtag. So you start seeing different people. And I leveraged it much better with my last book as I told you, the book before, I used a lousy hashtag that was already well populated in a, ver- a message that's very different than my book message. And that was one of the hard lessons I learned. Mm-hmm. I thought I was being mm-hmm. clever, and it was an, a used hashtag. And it was a very well populated hashtag with a message I don't want to populate. And so um, with my next book, we just used the hashtag Bless Juggle. And a lot more of my readers followed the rhythm of using the hashtag. And it was really fun. It was a lot. It was fun to see people on the beach reading the book. It, it was a blessing too to me, also. Um, That's cool. So it's just a different way to reach your readers. So I think I think coming back to you know your bridge builders uh, analogy that mm-hmm. people building actual literal bridges. So like um, we're coming up on the Bible Study Expo again this year. So we'll hashtag Bible Study Expo, but we'll also hashtag Bible Study. Uh, so instead of saying, oh, Bible study would be the best one because that's going to get way more uh, visibility, the problem with only going with that one is it's too big. It's got millions of hashtag Bible study. And so it gets yeah. lost in the shuffle, whereas it's okay to use that as an additional 
hashtags, but have your, like what you're saying is your hashtag has to be unique, unique enough so that people can actually follow the conversation. If they go to one of the sites where it can just stream that hashtag's conversation, they should be able to see only your stuff going by uh, as well as they can then see it on Bible study as well. So just your hashtag has to be unique enough that people can track what you're doing, but also popular enough that people can remember it and, and follow it. So that's really good tips on hashtag. You talk about having a book review team. Tell us what that would look like. Well, I, um, I feel like having a book review team is absolutely critical because the truth is we're better together and we need each other. And before, I actually, um, three books ago, I I first had an editor edit. I wrote it, had an editor edit. Then I went to my book team, and then we edited again because after their feedback was so critical. So basically, this mm-hmm. is just something so small, but probably one of the biggest impacts in my book message besides actually a good editor, which you cannot get away from. Don't just put it out there, your message unedited. But Please. I had a Facebook <laughs> group. Yes. I had a Facebook group, and really I sent an email out to my um, email list on my website, as well as I, I posted on social media, you know, do you want to be part of my book feedback team? And I limited it this last time to a certain amount of people. And I let them pre-read my book. And they gave me mm-hmm. feedback. I, I added some things. I expanded some things. Mm-hmm. I took some things out <laughs> from their And they have an investment mm-hmm. already in from already hearing me speak or reading some of my past books or a blog posts or social media, they already have an investment into stuff, think, and encourage my heart. So they're looking out for me. And, you know, as I'm teaching my teenage son how to drive, there's blind spots we all have. And your team is basically helping you look for blind spots. So I'll tell you like a little example. I had written in my Building Bridges book about tracks, and I was talking about, and my team Real back, what do you? What is tracks? What are you talking about? And what it, that is is Christianese mm-hmm, for right. little pamphlets <laughs> that Christians hand out. They had no idea what I was yeah. talking about. And so, you know, something so small as that. Another example, I'm trying. I'm writing a message to reach people that are not Christian, and I was trying to find a simple way to communicate that. So I'm bouncing some ideas with my team, and some of them said, "How about lost? How would you feel, Marnie, if someone said you're lost?" I remember when I was, before I was a Christian, someone said, are you saved? And I didn't even know what language they were speaking. And, you mm-hmm, know, it was right. one woman who happened to be an Christian. atheist on my book team. And she said, hey, guys, instead of saved law or unsaved, lost, unenlightened was another word. Like how offensive <laughs> would we be? Mm-hmm, they said, right. how about we just yeah. identify them as non-Christian? And it was the atheist, not the rest of the Christians on the book team, that actually came up with that, which, you know, it was something so simple. And I could have actually just took a, it would be like taking a bat to my readers if I wrote it in such an insensitive way. So I feel like having a book review team is critical. Let them pre-read, then go to your editor again. You could do it before or after and then go to your editor. And it's two different people, people that are reading and giving feedback. And I don't know about you, Marnie, but sometimes getting feedback, I used to hate it. And now I, I long for it. And when people are saying, Steph, I think you, should, you went off track with this story and you should take it out. And I was like, but that story was fun to write. That's my but favorite story. Really- what do you mean? <laughs> 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 no, no, I'm totally with you too. I'm totally with you too. And I love, I love that. I love that you shared about um, the parts in your book where people like you're kind of preachy or condescending there. And it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't mean to be that way. But you can't see it yourself. You're too close to the content. You, your heart is in the right place, but the words are just coming out uh, not helpful to the reader. And it, it is just so wonderful to have different people give you input. I, I did, I've done this with the last two books, too. Uh, one, one of them was really fun. I just had one chapter of the book in an envelope, and I had um, a couple... Uh, I have multiples of each chapter, but anyway, at church, I just I just stood up and I said, okay, I have I have a deadline coming and I need help. So if you'd be willing to take one chapter and the Bible study book portion of it and do that this week and give me feedback, I'd be so grateful. And uh, they all got given out on that one day. It was amazing, and they came back. And you know, the the most valuable ones weren't the ones that just wrote at the end of it 
Great. Loved it with no comment. I know. The yes. most valuable one. The most valuable ones really were the ones mm-hmm. that hurt a little. And that Ashley took red pen and just slashed it up and was, you know, what are you talking about? And you know, do you have any proof for this? Or where's this in the Bible? Or you know what? It was so helpful and it was so refreshing to get that insight. So I totally agree with you. Book review team, critical, critical. And I totally agree with you, Marnie, when you said the people that gave you the feedback, not just, wow, that was great. Like, that is not going to help me make my message better. And I know it's not great. That's why, I mean, I think it's good, but I want to make it great because I want to give someone a great, I want to give them great, awesome. That's the God I serve. So I need your help. So I just totally agree. The red letters, my editor did it in blue after the feedback team, in and out, not just grammatical, but it was that kind of feedback too. Like, I think you lost the point. I think this is um, detracting. It's such a good account, but it's not needed. And I'm like, dang, I really like that. It was really good. (laughs) Okay, you're right. Exactly what you said, Marnie, is we are too close. We're too close. We need help. Yeah, we do. Well, this is Marty Severn visiting today with Steph Fink. We're going to come right back and talk about the golden key for book launch success, positives and negatives of selling your book from your website, and other places and spaces where your book needs to be. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Are you ready to experience your best life possible and share biblical success principles with others? Register for the SPY Coach Certification Program today. SPI or SPI stands for Success Principles Intensive. It's a six-hour online program that equips you to fully comprehend and train biblical success principles. You can check it out today over at Marnie.com. It's available as part of the mentorship program, or you can buy it as a standalone certification program. Learn more now at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. Welcome back. We're on the last leg of our show here with our guest today, Stephanie, talking about eight strategies to increase your book sales in 2018. This hour is flying by, Stephanie. we got a few more points to cover here. I don't want to miss out on any of the content you've prepared for us today. So let's talk next about the golden key for book launch success. I'm curious what you're going to say here. There are so many things that go into this. And, and from your perspective, what is the golden key? I just really feel the golden key is a team. And I feel sometimes as authors, sometimes it's a lonely job, Marnie. Do you, have you ever felt that way? I, I don't know. You're oh, yeah, because you're, you're most of the time spending your time behind a, a screen, a computer screen. Um, and, and, yeah. and you have to have, you have to have long, long periods of time of silence in order to actually create a book that flows. You can't be interrupted every two or three minutes. So, yeah, absolutely. It's very private. So I feel like sometimes being an author can feel lonely and the golden key for a a successful book launch is a team. And I mean, not just um, your ad book signings. I don't feel like we should go to any book signing alone. We should have one or two people with us. And this is part of my heartbeat. Um, If I'm selling the books, not just through the bookstore or whatever, and I'm actually selling it from my table, I want one person taking the, doing the money transaction and another person who's very experienced in communicating with people because you know sometimes at your book table you can get into conversations, but you don't want to neglect the other people coming to your signing. And that way you can deflect to another mature Christian who can handle, who's kind of been on the front mm-hmm. lines of ministry. And so that's my heartbeat. I don't want someone to come to my table ever and feel ignored or neglected. Team essential. But also, like we talked about earlier about social media, the average person has 8.7, I don't know how that works out, different social media accounts. Now, I feel I have a book feedback team, and then I also have a book launch team. And it's a different Facebook group I make, and this is not limited. I don't limit the number on this. And if you think about one person, if they only have, you know, I don't know the average, um, you know, depending on where they're at, but if they have 350 friends on Facebook, and they believe in you and the message, and they do one post, that's 350 people plus any likes or shares that come off of their post. And it's a team effort. And I sometimes felt kind of embarrassed, to be honest with you, Marnie, I don't love the marketing part. I don't love it at all. But I right. just have to realize if I'm going to steward the message, this it's not just 
grammar and punctuation. It's also how I market the book. That's part of stewarding the message that God gifted. He gave me as a gift. And I just need, this is just part of the job. And um, so, you know, after a baby, I've heard the analogy often, like writing a book is kind of like having a baby. And that's true for me, the gestation part, and then um, it's growing. And then when you actually launch in the birth of the book, you don't stop taking pictures. I mean, goodness, if my kids were born when social media was alive, there'd be a hourly documentation because I think my kids are adorable (laughs) and amazing and the world needs to see them. And so I feel that we should be bold and ask and brave. I think brave and bold together mm-hmm. and ask mm-hmm. people to help us. And would you help me? And I'm, I'm very forthright. I don't like this part, guys. I really need your help. And then I, we brainstorm some different strategies of how could we do a fun giveaway. We have a couple of fun ideas coming up for my book launch is Mother's Day. But just how can we interact with readers and have fun while also populating the message Hopefully, and then, you know, it takes supposedly the marketing rule of thumb is supposedly seven positive touches before they want to buy your product. But if I see a friend say, oh, my goodness, um, what is it called, the Instapot? Everyone's posting about the Instapot, my (laughs) friends, because they love it so much, Mm -hmm. I'm actually considering buying an Instapot. Now, if they take your book and say, I love this book, all of a sudden, I will buy something that someone I know and respect has already given their recommendation to. And that's why I really believe the golden key for a book launch success is having a team. Cool. Okay. Quick, let's let's do some positives and negatives of selling your book from your website. Yeah, I feel like this is something I wish someone talked to me about before I considered it. And I can, I do sell books from my website. One thing I love about it, the personal touch. I really love the personal touch. You can autograph the book. You can pray on it. You can add a little personal gift in there. Sometimes I put little little gifts into to surprise readers. But the negative is somebody needs to package and mail it, and it's a time, and it's something worthwhile considering if um, you want to make that part of your business. So Amazon takes a fee. Your publishing company takes a fee. But your energy, time, and talent, they all have a cost to it. And if you think, I'm going, to, I'm going to drive to the post office, it takes 30 minutes back and forth, you really have to think about where you're best spending your time and getting the best bang, not just for your buck, but for your energy. And I feel sometimes as authors, we can get so into the minutia that we're forgetting some of the bigger picture ideas. I'd rather spend more time in private emails with people that have you know, kind of drop their mask because something they've read and then driving back and forth to the post office a zillion times a day. Or, I mean, you can set up a shipping from your home too, but there's always a cost no matter what you do. Yeah. I know for me, I've, I've come to that point too where I just sell the eBooks on my site and I let Amazon and the bookstores sell the cup paperbacks. And it's just been a really good fit for me for that exact reason. And also for me, because my schedule, a lot of traveling and it might be three or four or five days before I'm back and people really like to get stuff right away in our culture. And so it just, it just became unmanageable. But definitely, yeah. if you want that personal touch, do it. Okay, we're coming right in on the end of the hour. So what are some other places and spaces where your book needs to be? So I just want to put a couple ideas out there. And, again, like the speaking, um, the book signings, think outside the box. You know, the cupcake shop I mentioned, they can sign books. Now, you're not going to sell huge volumes of books, but it will increase exposure to different places. Now, I've put my book, um, uh, high-end, upscale, salon to buy a bunch of my books and they sold through they just bought it outright and they sold think out of the box I shared quickly about my orthodontist you know the book that I'm doing right now about parents guess where parents are I know I have two kids that are going through orthodontia treatment they're sitting in waiting rooms think outside the box and even if you donate your book I mean I've donated my book to a couple places because I just want to hopefully have a parent pick it up get a nourishing word of encouragement. I don't, it's okay. I don't get a royalty because my business is serving hearts. It's not just about making money, even though we need to keep that on the table. Um, so just think outside the box of where else could you bless potential readers and, and put your book there instead of, I only do it if I make this much money. Um, 
And I totally agree with something you said earlier, Marnie. In speaking engagements, something I just started doing the past two years is when I'm doing retreats, I'll ask, can you um, also add the option to buy my book at registration? Because you're right, at book to, after a speaking engagement, sales are through the roof. But I would love to give it to them and maybe build it into the price. It's another place that maybe – and you could give a discount, a bulk volume discount to your event, and it could be a double blessing. Get your message to the women or the people you're there to serve, and it could also bless you by selling some more books too. I love that. And also, if you have written a Bible study tide book or a book that could be used in a Bible study, before you go to a speaking engagement is a wonderful time to say, would you, be, would you consider offering my book as a Bible study option in the, in the semester or quarter before I come? What this does is it really allows God to build a foundation for what you say. And when you're there, then God can take them so much deeper then, then he can take them when there's no foundation there. So it's just there's just all these wonderful, wonderful ways to do it. And I do encourage you also to consider the bulk, the bulk sales of your book, either to church groups for Bible studies, or like to MOPS groups or different organizations, uh, ECFEs or whatever like that. They can they'll do book book clubs or one another great place. Uh, so just just keep thinking and say, God, just show me where can my book where can my book serve the most people? Where can my book serve more people than it is right now? And keep looking to God for that. Wow, this hour has just flown by, Steffi. You're so much fun. Okay, if people go over to your website at encouragedinheart.org, what are they going to find there? So they're going to find that I do sell some books there, but they'll find I have gotten a bit away from blogging, even though I do a monthly blog post on human trafficking. It's a huge heartbeat of my heart and human trafficking, uh, encouraging heart to help um, educate about human trafficking. So you'll find blog posts basically only about human trafficking. You'll find my speaking schedule, different topics I speak on. Um, You'll find I also sell fair trade jewelry, which goes along with the human trafficking heartbeat I have, um, as well as um, different nourishing messages. I have some audio recordings of um, encouragement to help encourage hearts. And um, I do have a mailing list. If they want to get on, they can join the mailing list, which will tell them about different book signings, different speaking engagements. Sometimes I do freebies. And I often um, use that as a personal way to talk to the my email um, followers, because they're the people that really are um, the DNA of Encourage and Heart. They're, they're the heartbeat of why I write what I write. They're my, my main people. So I try to send some personal messages from time to time just to them because I really love them. I really love them. So that's pretty much what you'll find on my, um, on my website and some, some you know, notifications of my upcoming book and things like that. What is the name of the book that's coming out? Um, It's called I'm a Confident Parent, right? Five Simple Strategies to Be a More Confident Parent. And I I really hope at the end there's an exclamation point, not a question, and that we don't have to be perfect to be confident. And a big heartbeat I have is to to mom group. So I really hope to encourage moms and dads. That's great. That's awesome. And that's a do-out around Mother's Day. That's wonderful. Well, Steph, yeah. you have just provided such great content here today. I love your heart. And uh, so fun to partner with you over at womenspeakers.com as well as in life and ministry. So thankful that you could be with us today. Thank you so much, Marnie, for all your work you do. And I have gotten a lot of speaking engagements from being on your website. So bless you, my sister. Thank you for just encouraging us. I really um, I, I just I thank God for you because you've helped me in trainings like this as well as being on your website. So bless you, my sister. Oh, thank you. And thank you guys for joining us. Can't have a radio show without listeners. Always so fun to have you along. And again, today we're number one on Blog Talk Radio and we're live, which is just because you're here. So grateful for that. And to all of you who listen to the archives or around the web at the Syndicate Station or iTunes or Stitcher or even on your own blog or on your own blog site or on your own website where you've got a radio box. So grateful for you, and I hope that you have enjoyed this program. I'd love to have you back every Wednesday. You can come, and we'll see you next time right here on Marty's Friend on Blog Talk Radio. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye now.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.